Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Clippers podcast. I'm your host, DJ Foster. Joining me tonight, we uh, just got done watching the uh, the Clippers win 123-115 over the Raptors. Joining me tonight is ESPN.com's Andrew Hahn. Andrew, you must be tired because you didn't interrupt me. Andrew? Are, Andrew? Is, are, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Are you very? Are you apathetically joining the podcast? You well, I mean, you you made such a fuss about me interrupting you in the past. I thought I would give you a long lead this time. You're so sensitive, you know that. So you know, just trying to just trying to do do what my boo wants. You just leave me hanging on the vine like that. Um, you know, I, I like it ripe. <laughs> so you were at the game tonight. I was at the game tonight. Yes. Yeah, any uh, any impressions that you saw from up close? Anything you got from the locker room that was particularly interesting? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think here. So before the game started, um, as you are, I'm sure, familiar with, Probably Terrence not. Ross and DeMar DeRozan have historically lit up the Clippers. Yes. Because the Clippers do not have perimeter defenders. Correct. Or I guess I should say perimeter defenders with size and generally speaking perimeter defenders. Um, and my feeling before the game was that um, not to set a record for how soon I can talk about Luke Bamute. Oh boy. But because of his presence on the roster that they would most likely put him on DeRozan who has had an incredibly hot start to the year. Uh, and they, in fact, did that. And I think through three quarters, uh, I want to say DeRozan was, had 16 points on 16 attempts, which is never good when Not your great. attempts and your point totals match. Not great. Uh, after the game, uh, Doc saying Luke's praises about how he can guard one through five. Um, Blake Griffin also reiterated that, saying that there's very few guys in the league that can do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not to say that this is all thanks to Luke. Um, but, AJ Reddick had um, a very good shooting night, again, I want to say. And this has been going on for four games. It is. He's hot right now. 20 points on 7 attempts. Is that good? Yes, that's pretty good. That feels um, good. I, uh... How... How much should I peel the curtain back here? A lot? A little? Uh, I mean, I think the answer to that is always a lot, right? Do I ever no, not want I, the curtain people, pulled back want, all the way? People want a little bit of mystery. They, they want... A lot of mystery with a little bit of reveal. I don't know that they do. I think so they just want the reveal. reveal. They reject the truth. Is what happens. <laughs> um, but the reason why we're, this is even a point of discussion is because you said 20 points on 7 attempts is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, after the game, um, there was a player on the opposing team that passed by Reddick in the hallway that said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, man, 
20 points on 7 attempts. That's pretty good. That really happened? That really happened. Wow. Was I the player? Uh, it might have been you. It could have been. Was it Jonas, my my much taller doppelganger? Um, doppelganger? 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 Does, does anyone actually think that you and, and Jonas look alike? No, no, no. Just tall, white, beard. That's usually enough for most people. Uh, yeah, I would have gone with the with the cross racial analogy comparison of uh, you and Norman Powell. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, way to break barriers. Yeah. Also, how about Norman Powell having to guard Marie Spates for a long stretch there? That was very peculiar. He's like six four. Yeah, well, I Spates mean, is legit seven feet. Uh, Powell is—he's a gamer. And he's going to try his butt off. But that seemed pretty unfair in that in that fourth quarter where Toronto decided to go, like, ultra small. Super small. Yeah, and the second that they put Blake back in, it was just like, it's like buffet time at the Golden Corral. They were just <laughs> playing a two-man game with, with Blake and, it was like Blake and the bench yep. with Spates. So Blake had come back in for Wes, and they were just running high-low action over and over again, and Spates was just getting wide-open layups at the rim. That is one of my favorite things about this Clippers team, is that they can really combat teams that like to go jumbaco and go huge, and teams that want to go super small, and they're fine either way. They're pretty flexible like that. Huh? Are there teams that go jumbaco at all anymore? Uh, It's pretty rare these days. I feel like Orlando goes jumbaco sometimes. They, they don't have a choice. The roster is Jumbaco, <laughs> that's, apparently. That's, that's right. The Jumbaco is the only thing on the menu for yeah, them. Literally tacos and... Wait, what's in a Jumbaco again? Uh, I kind of forget the origin of the Jumbaco. I just remember it's an old it's an old Clipper blog word. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it, it, was, it came on because there were all those Jack in the Box commercials. Um, was can it, we get a Jack in the Box sponsorship on here? Was it a burger with a taco in it? Or was it just a giant taco? I think it was just a giant taco. I think it was like two tacos and a burger. And they called it like Jumbaco. <laughs> and I was just like, that's just what we should, like, anytime Blake could potentially play the three. Yeah, that was our Jumbaco lineup. That was Jumbaco. Uh, if you remember the origin of the Jumbaco and you're a listener, tweet, tweet me at Fox Sports Foster, because I am, I am very curious to know what it actually was. And now I kind of want Jack in the Box. Yeah, there we go. It's uh, The power suggestion is... Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm very susceptible to it. If you if you say borderline anything... Um, you want Korean barbecue right now? I do. There you go. Boom. Like, that Done. does sound pretty good. That does sound good. Only when you cook it, though. I, I can't cook my own meat when we go to those places. You gotta cook cook all the meat for me. I'm not. I don't know how what that ranks on the uh, the offensive scale. That what? That I would have to cook your meat for you. Yeah, but I mean, you do all the stuff whenever we go anywhere. Um, I just I just take a backseat type role. You get to pick all the things because I don't know anything, and it just works out. It's a bad combination because I also know nothing. Yeah, but you're better at pretending that you do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. Okay, that's fair. Uh, 13-2, best start in franchise history. Andrew. We didn't Um, didn't see this coming. Did we not? I don't think we saw this coming. What did did you see coming? I thought they were going to start out hot. I didn't think they'd start out 13-2, best start in franchise history hot. Uh, okay, so let's set aside the best start in franchise history okay. for a moment, because it's not like this franchise has had a lot of hot starts. Alright, but it's it's still worth mentioning. I mean, Clippers have been around for how many years since they've been the Clippers? Is is this counting the Braves, too? Are we counting? Counting, counting the Braves. It's probably counting the Braves. Wow, so we're, we're going back, you know, 60 years here. No, it's not 60 70. Years. I think it's like 44 years? No, with the Braves are included? I think if the Braves are included... They were in, like, the 60s, right? No? Am I way off? 
No, 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 because they moved from San Diego in 84, and I think they moved to San Diego in 80, I want to say. Oh, so it's late 70s? Yeah, I guess yeah, that makes so more like, sense. like late 60s, early 70s that, that they came into existence. Okay, so what year are we in now? What year is it now? 2016. All right, what's the math on that? Um, I'm just going to look this up. <laughs> it's, al- it's almost more fun to guess, though. What did I say, 70 uh, years? That may have been a little aggressive. 70 years in the 40s. It was it was World War II. The <laughs> Americans defeated the Germans and the Japanese. Rosie the Riveter was actually the starting point guard for the Buffalo right. Braves. Yeah. And then they came back and then established the Buffalo Braves. <laughs> first first order of business. Yeah. 1970, the Buffalo Braves came into existence. All right, so it's 2016, so 56 years? Um 46 years. 56. 46. No, 1970? 1970. 56. Four, 46. Oh, yeah, 46. Yeah. <laughs> How many times were you going to have to say 46? I mean, I've, you kept on saying it convincingly. I started to wonder, like, am I wrong? I, I don't know years or math. Okay, wait, here we go. It's a serious First downside. Because I'm sure there are people that listen that aspire to be writers or journalists or broadcasters or like do something in sports are you saying that if i could do it everyone can no not at all i'm oh. just saying that um because that's we, true we tend to we tend to follow and mimic the people we admire and you have a lot of admirers um, mm. and i wanted to just share with them that this is the first rule of sports journalism whatever you do do it with conviction <laughs> even if you're wrong <laughs> It instantly, it immediately puts doubt in the person you're speaking to, and while they're trying to figure out whether something is actually right or not, you can throw down a smoke bomb and disappear. Even if it's literally basic subtraction. Yes. Yep. Stick to your guns. Yes. So 56 years it is. Yeah, you're a sports writer, not a sports mather. I'm not a sports mather. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, Wait, so sorry, what were we talking about? Best start in franchise history. So that's, I mean, I get what you're saying. They haven't been good. I, I get it. They've not been good. Set that um, aside. All right. That's set aside. So 13-2, and two, that's that's a very good start. Um, it's not outside the realm of what I thought was possible for this team. If they started 12-3, and three, um, I, that would also be very good. And I thought that that was completely within reason. I guess the only... Um, issue is that if you looked at the schedule the yeah. early part of the schedule for this team was not favorable right they had weird things where like they play every other day so they can't really practice and they had a lot of um theoretically feisty teams early in the season um with and like um, they had the memphis san antonio back to back they had the that's a good uh, tinder profile bio theoretically feisty Theoretically feisty. I like that. Uh, much like a wormhole, my feistiness is entirely theoretical. <laughs> uh, they had the Oklahoma City, Minnesota back-to-back. Uh, so there were a lot of games that seemed like they would set up for uh, schedule losses. And the Clippers have... Plowed through them. Plowed through a lot of them. Yeah, so I guess indeed. you can give them credit for that. But in terms of having as strong a start as they had... Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't be expected. In fact, they probably should have won that first Oklahoma City game as well. They should be 14-1, and one, frankly. Yeah, it's true. I would agree with that. Um, but then I guess they probably should not have won... What was the game that they won? Was it Sacramento? No, they had a big lead. They had The Bulls game? The comeback yeah, against the Bulls? They probably should not have won that Bulls game. So yeah. I guess it does, that evens out. Yeah. So tonight... In, in the win over the Raptors, it felt like Chris Paul just kept giving daggers, and you were like, all right, that's it. It's over. I think at one point Chris even said after an and-one layup, uh, it's over. <laughs> and then the Raptors kind of came back into it again, and then Chris just had to kind of keep ending the game over and over again. Um, is there anyone right now in the NBA, and I know this is kind of a thing that, Sports writers, us sports mathers and sports writers used to talk about a lot back in the day, and we don't really talk about it as much anymore. 
Is there anyone in the clutch in the last two minutes of a game that you would rather have with the ball in their hands than Chris Paul? Okay, who? Today. Today. Um, I'd probably rather have LeBron. Even with the foul shooting? Even with the foul shooting, because one of Chris is a terrific shooter, um, but these days his go-to is being able to create space for himself and, and knock that elbow jumper down. Mm-hmm. Um, as terrific as he has, as he is at the mid-range. You would rather get try and get a layup. Right. LeBron is just a physical mismatch for anyone in the league. I f- I, okay. That's, the reasoning behind that is, is, is sound. Um, for similar reasons, I suppose I would also rather take Kevin Durant. Okay, just because he can get a shot off over everyone. Right, and he's an exceptional shooter. But Durant, at least it feels like it the last few years in, in Oklahoma City, wasn't that great down the stretch of games, right? Yeah, it, it, it certainly did feel that way. Um, but it also probably does not help that Oklahoma City's offense has long since been criticized for being stagnant. Um, even even throughout the course of a game, it, it was stagnant, and there was very little action going on, so teams could load up on Durant, right. and it only became more so in those crucial clutch situations. Like, you knew it was going to be um, Westbrook or Durant, and basically, whichever one ended up with the ball, you can just focus all your attention on them. The thing about Durant, he'll bail, I feel like he bails defenses out, and, and will take tough shots that he doesn't necessarily need to late, late in games. Yeah, it, it rarely feels like Chris Paul will take a more difficult shot than he has to. Right, he's not letting teams off the hook. Right, yeah. That's okay, that's very reasonable. Yeah. Um, who's who's your all-time guy? All-time clutch shooter. You got your life is on the line for some reason. It's going uh-huh. to be decided by this basketball game. Okay. You is get it, Okay, is so is it going to be Eric Piekowski or Steve Novak? Wait. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're dead. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's not a great... That's, who would my all-time... Who would your all-time clutch shooter be? The Polish rifle. Um, it's really hard for me. I, th- I think, and maybe... Maybe this is just too easy, but I think I'm just going to go with Michael Jordan, Right? That would be very is, easy. Is that weird? No, I think it's. That's, I think that's the safe answer. Okay, let's take Michael Jordan out of the equation then. If we both agree, that's the safe answer. You can't have Michael Jordan. He's busy wearing dad jeans and gambling on someone else's life. I think I would lean Ray Allen. Ooh, Ray's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one. Are there any under the radar guys where it's like, oh? I wasn't thinking about something like that. Is does does Kobe enter the equation? Is, was Kobe actually good? I feel like Henry Abbott kind of <laughs> he he blew up his spot quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. If, if there was like a MythBusters for basketball, they spent like a season <laughs> bunking Kobe. Dude, Kobe. that was that was like that was true hoops mo for a good like eighteen months. Yeah. Reggie Miller? No. Is that crazy? Reggie Miller was a pretty good clutch shooter. Larry Bird? Larry Bird would be a terrific one. I mean, LeBron. LeBron statistically. LeBron statistically, great. Here's one that you don't think about that often, and I think people would say that it's a good call if you name him. Okay. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Oh. Because he could could shoot. um, You traditionally just don't think of big men as the clutch shooters. Right. But, uh, Steve but, yeah. Kerr. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. I mean, is, what's the difference <laughs> between Steve Kerr and John Paxson, honestly? Or Eric Piekowski, for that matter. Eric Yeah. You just, you just want to trust a short, tiny white guy with your life to make a three. That's what he's there for. Yeah, that's what he does. He's not, he's not there for anything else. 
Uh, Steve Nash, is that a weird one? Nash would be a good one, yeah. Are yeah. there any, like, really old guys that were missing, like, from oh. the 80s or 70s? I mean, Jerry West, Mr. Clutch. Sure, sure. Do I mean, would you take anyone that, that played the majority of their career before the three-point line? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I'd, I'd find it, I'd find it hard. I feel like I want the most advanced, up-to-date basketball player I can probably get if if my life is on the line. Oh, here's one. Um, and just from like an ace, uh, just from like an aesthetic standpoint, like I don't want my life to depend on a set shot going in, because I won't feel good even if it goes in. I'll be like, well, I mean, I guess you made it. What player that's no that's been retired would best take advantage um, of the way the game is played today? Like, oh. what non-Hall of Fame player would potentially go into the Hall of Fame if they got to play in today's league? I wrote an article about this mm, a year ago, maybe two years ago. Okay, do you remember anything about it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the guys that I had listed. I had Pistol Pete as being an absolute monster. Yeah. Because um, I think he could, he could play in pretty much any era, and the three-point line would have helped him tremendously. Sure. Because he shot from from deep. Here's kind of a weird one. And maybe I was just picking all of my favorite players for this article. And not really thinking about who would have been great. Um, Eddie Jones. Oh, Eddie Jones was a good one. Slasher. Would have done really well in space. Could hit threes. Could run out in transition. Could defend multiple positions. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Jones. What big guy did I have? I had a big that was kind of like an original stretch Stretch big man. Was it Sam Perkins? No. It was someone else who could actually move and shoot. Mm. I gotta look it up now. So the name that comes that always comes to mind... Um, so, for example... Larry Bird is obviously a Hall of Fame player. But you don't think about him as like a top three, top five all-time player. Yeah. If Larry Bird played in today's game... Theoretically, you would think about him that way because he would just jack threes like crazy. Right, and it was yeah the the ratio that he shot them compared to what it, how everyone else was shooting them. Right. Yeah. Was, was but insane. the name that that always stuck in my mind is uh, Stojakovic. Oh really? Stojakovic, I feel like had mobility and was an excellent three point shooter. Um, had great size for his because he was a shooting guard for much of his career. Um, if he was in the league today, I feel like he would just tear it up. Yeah. And he got he go from a guy that was basically like a perennial borderline all star to like, oh, is is he in the conversation for one of the best shooting guards of all time? Right. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like it, Peja. I wouldn't. I would have never thought of him. Here's oh so here was my starting five for this article and it's titled five former players that would have fared better in this era than they did in their own. Uh, Muhammad Abdul Roof Rauf. Okay. The old Nuggets point guard. Yeah. AKA Chris Jackson. Uh, incredible shooter, ninety percent free throw shooter. Uh, was a great three point shooter, but he only attempted over three hundred threes in just one season. So he never really shot the three all that much, even though he was an incredible shooter. It's so peculiar. It took how many generations for people to, for offenses to leverage the three-point line? It's I know. Crazy. Here's the thing, too, with him, with Abdul Roof. Um, he played in the hand check era, mm. and he was a small guy. Yeah. So in today's era, when... Phil Jackson got in a lot of trouble for tweeting out the thing about how Stephen Curry remind him, reminded him of Chris Jackson. Of him, and, and people were freaking out because Steph is, you know, an MVP, you know, all these different things. And Abdul Roof is probably most known for, you know, the national anthem thing. But for, but for real basketball heads like yourself, you knew. You, you, you saw the comparison. Yeah. No, it totally made sense. Small guy who had really good handles and could get off a three and great shooter. Like, 
in a different era, I think he would have been really, really good. I feel like this is basketball hipsterism at its height. I feel like all of the people that watch a lot of ball that, you know, were fastidious in their accumulation of knowledge. It's a lot of hipster words you just used. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to raise my level here. When when Phil Jackson that. made that comparison, people were up in arms, saying like, "Oh, why? Why is the Zen Master hating on Curry so much?" Yeah, there was that small contingent like, "Well, you know, this dude was legit. It was legit. You guys don't. You guys are sleeping on him." And it's like, "All right, all right. Why don't you guys?" It's always way more fun to be in that camp, though, right? Go back to go back to Brooklyn and Minneapolis and Portland. Being in the hipster camp is always way more fun than being in the the other side. The only the only advantage about being in the hipster camp is that potentially you're going to find places to eat that are cheaper before they start raising their prices. <laughs> that's that's the real advantage of being in. Is there anything worse than your favorite restaurant expanding? Yeah, it's 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 always a bittersweet feeling because you don't want the place to go out of business. But you also don't want it to be so successful that it, it, they raise their prices or it becomes difficult for you to get there. <laughs> right. You're happy they're doing well, but when they do yeah. too well, you're like, oh, this is a disaster. We, there's, right. a, there's a sushi place here um, that I feel like we could just walk in, sit down right at the sushi bar every time, get immediate service. You're in and you're out. Prices were low. Like, man, it was we were, we were living high. And then it, it, we checked it on Yelp, and it had all five-star reviews. And it had like a hundred and something reviews. It had all five stars. And then it just started getting more crowded, more crowded. We're waiting 20 minutes outside to get in. We're waiting 30 minutes outside. Uh, and we just had to kind of phase it out slowly but surely. See, it's, uh... it's a heartbreaking story. I was happy they, they did well, but all the things that I loved about it went away once they got popular. In, uh, in terms of basketball analogies, the... The thing that we're seeking here is is the high volume, high efficiency mid range shooter, which is so rare to find. Yeah, it's the Dirk Nowitzki's, Chris Bosh's of the world because you know cheap places that um, give you good food at, at great value. Those are the layups. They're high. You know everyone everyone can get them. Everyone can make them. And then like the really fancy places that are incredibly expensive. Those are the threes. You know, you, you need a lot of discipline and you need a lot of practice to, for that stuff to go in. <laughs> and then there are a lot of mid-range places out there of varying efficiency, yep. varying volume, and you just want you just want that one that that checks those boxes. And it's so hard to find. Uh, shout out to to Dirk Nowitzki and Chris Bosh. Those guys are still woefully underappreciated because we're talking about these these restaurants here. Most of our most of our listeners are in the LA area. Which makes sense since this is a Clippers podcast. Do you have do you have a mid range efficient shooter restaurant, or is that like does that defeat the whole purpose of what we just talked about? If you put it entirely it, defeats the purpose. It does, doesn't it? any of these places, yeah. Can you give an example of one that was one that checked off all the boxes, and now you, see mine? The sushi restaurant I'm talking about was hooked on sushi. It's delicious if you're ever down in the the uh, San Diego area. Hmm. I'll let you think about it. Yeah, let me uh, let me let me get back to my starting five. You think about that. I'll get back to my starting five of players that would have fared better. My power forward was was this guy, Cliff Robinson. Oh, that's a good one, Uncle Cliff. Yeah. Uh, he played for nineteen seasons, which is awesome. So he saw uh quite a few changes in basketball during the time that he played. But he was one of the first real stretch fours who were crazy athletic could move, could guard multiple spots, um, could give you a little rim protection, and give you threes. He made two all-defensive teams, and he hit over 1,200 threes over his career. Those Blazers teams were stacked. Like It's crazy that they didn't win a title. Crazy. With Clyde and Terry Porter yeah. and Cliff. I mean, man, they were, they were loaded. All right, my center, uh, former Clipper. Former Clipper center that would have fared better. Let's see if you can get this. Oh, County. No. Oh, man. No. Nice try, though. <laughs> it's a good effort. <laughs> I thought you were going to guess Cayman first, first up. Oh, no. No. 
came in out of the gates. Ah, I mean. Anybody else? Oh, am I, am I still guessing? Do you want another guess? I'll give you one more guess. Um, center that would have fared better. Former Clipper center that would have fared better in this era than he did in his own. Um, nope, I'm drawing a blank. Marcus Camby. Oh, yeah. No, would he have fared better in this era? Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like Tyson Chandler is basically him. They're very similar players. Uh, except, Camby could actually hit a little mid-range shot. Camby could pass from the high post. He was a lot better than a lot of people think he was offensively. And the thing is with Camby is that he played in the era with all those giant centers. Mm-hmm. The Shaqs and Hakeem and Patrick Ewing and all these guys that would just put, you could bang with and do all that. And so he was underrated during his time but he was still a great like today you put him in today's game great rim protection can space the floor a little bit if you need him to can pass like he'd be he's the perfect rim protector for today's nba yeah i guess that's true because you don't have post like low post actual defense isn't really emphasized anymore but in his era it was everything for a center you're uh your power forward and center picks make me think of uh, Rashid Wallace. Yeah, Sheed. Who was very good in his day. We've we've talked about Sheed recently yeah. on the Locked On Clippers podcast with the uh, the Pistons comparison that I like to trot around. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you think about everything that Sheed does, that is basically everything you would want out of a big man today. Mm-hmm. Shoots threes, plays great defense, is mobile, agile. Physical, uh, rebounds. Physical, smart player. Um, I guess the only knock on him would be that like he's a bit of a hothead. <laughs> a bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's as far as I'm going. I, who knows what he listens to. Have, have you seen the, uh, the TNT thing with Kevin Garnett, the Area 21 thing? Oh. Where he and, he and Rashid are together, just like they throw it oh, over I, to him and they're just hanging out? I have not seen the one with him and Rashid are together. Yeah, yeah. The last one I saw was him and uh, Nate Robinson. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Which, which was, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that he has his own little like. They just throw it over to him. <laughs> I don't know why I enjoy Kevin Garnett so much, but I really do. I enjoy Kevin Garnett. I do not enjoy Area Twenty One. I feel like it's underutilizing him. Um, yeah, I mean. I think they're afraid to put him in the in the studio with those guys, even though he'd be great because they don't they don't want it to be too many voices. I think and they don't yeah. want to mess with success. But I, I like that they're they're slowly bringing him in. Just have him replace Shaq soon, right? Is that a I mean, hot? Is that too hot? No, it's not hot at all. But like, there's any number of, of people that TNT has on staff that you would say like, Joe, they could just replace Shaq. Yeah. I mean, Shaq, Shaq has his value, too, though. I don't want to hate uh, on Shaq. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about broadcast criticism here, I think Shaq really found his stride when he didn't feel the need to get the last word on every single joke or line or criticism. Yeah, and that's hard. Yeah. It takes some time. I still haven't done it yet. Uh, clearly, because... I just keep getting the last word. No, you have to keep talking though. Don't do the, don't do the thing that you did earlier. That made that made me so uncomfortable. Um, is there, is there anything else to talk about? From yeah, I want to uh, quickly. I want to. I just. I want to tell you this. So I was on Reddit today, and I was on the NBA subreddit, and um, I saw a post. Do you know who the only player that Kawhi Leonard follows on Twitter? He follows six accounts. Only one of them is a real human being. Do you know who the human being is? Is it an NBA player? Yeah. Mm. You're being current. a you're being a detective right now because I know you're thinking about why I'm talking about this. Current active NBA player. Yes. Kawhi Leonard only follows one real actual human being on Twitter. No. 
Jamal Crawford. That's Jamal scary. Crawford is the only person that Kawhi Leonard follows on Twitter. Does anyone know why? No. That is a fascinating... I'm going to try and figure out why. I have so many questions. Yeah, next time next time you're in the locker room, just ask Jamal, like, Hey, so, <laughs> I noticed this. Yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this, because that's weird. Yeah, that is, that is very weird. Not any of his own teammates, Jamal Crawford. And... There's no Seattle connection there. There's no Seattle connection. Maybe they work out in the offseason together. They might be buds. But even still, it's like... He probably... Jamal was drafted in 2000. Kawhi was drafted in 2011, 2012? Yeah, there's a big age difference there. Yeah, like, why would they ever work out with each other? Well, I mean, you can work out with guys of different... Different ages and stuff. I just... It's weird to have... it. It's not weird that Kawhi follows Jamal Crawford on Twitter. It's weird that he's literally the only human being yeah, <laughs> that Kawhi yeah, Leonard follows on Twitter. If he followed Jamal and, like, yeah. 55 other NBA Yeah, players, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's strange. I don't know. So, yeah, if you can get to the bottom of that, we'll put you on the case. Yeah. That is, that's peculiar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate. We were going to roast this guy on Twitter. I think we've had a nice show, though. We don't need to do that. What are you going to save it for a different... Yeah, I'm going to save it up. I asked for questions, and as I usually do on Twitter after games, um, at Fox Sports Foster, I usually send out the call, send your questions in for the Locked On Clippers podcast. Harmless, innocent. And this guy just kind of came back with a little nasty response about when the the Clippers are going to lose in the playoffs. I bet they're going to lose in the second round, like always. You know, just a little troll bait. And so I had this whole segment planned out where we were just going to roast him. But we're going to save it for another night, I think. Yeah, wh- save it for save it for a night where like they play poorly. Yeah, and in a salty mood. Yeah, we're in a good yeah. mood. We're in a good mood tonight. Yeah. Let's quickly get to some of these uh, some of these other questions though. Um Richard Edo asks, I know the defense was unsustainable, but I didn't think it would fall off this much. What's happening? Wait, uh, so are these questions... Did, did anyone know that I was going to be on this? Uh... Y- maybe? Okay. I we- just want to know if people are writing these questions specifically because they know what my proclivities with the Clippers are, or if these are just basic Clipper questions that, that need answering. I think let's treat them as basic Clipper questions, because I didn't say that you were coming on the show, if that helps you out at all. Yes, no, that does help. Okay. Uh, why is the defense dropping off? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons, and I'm going to boil it down to three. Number one, and I tweeted this out earlier tonight, um, when Wes went out of the lineup for the bench, mm-hmm. uh, the bench lineup, uh, the bench entire reserve group, their defense almost fell off a cliff. Um, and it's not necessarily that West is some kind of like all defense defensive player, but uh, they've mentioned this in the past couple of days. Him being out there with Spates, Austin, Jamal, and Felton allows them to do a lot more switching than they did with Bass, mm-hmm. and um, so that's helpful to them. So they can kind of improvise some of the defense on the fly because they'll just switch the man, and they don't have to necessarily worry. Uh, as much about um, leaving a guy on an island. Um, But also, Wes is a very reasonable rebounder, and defenses don't stop until you get the rebound, and Wes rarely leaks out um, after a shot goes up, and he'll go back and crash the boards. He does do that well. Yeah, and that's very helpful to the bench um, to help uh, minimize the, the amount of damage that second-chance opportunities uh, would give an opponent. So number one, Wes. Wes. Number two. Number two. Um, Blake and, I don't know, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this one of the previous times that I was on. Uh, he was more, I don't want to say he gave more effort, but I guess he was more focused on defense through the first half dozen games, mm-hmm. 
had better awareness of where to make the secondary and, and tertiary rotations, help the helper, that kind of stuff. Um, very attentive to where the guys are going and checking his man and checking DeAndre's man, things of that nature, bumping all the cutters through the lane. Uh, I feel like that's kind of slipped a little bit. Uh, not to say that he's a terrible defender or completely reverted to like rookie year Blake that just like doesn't understand anything about defense, but right. uh, the level of attention uh, isn't quite there, and that could just be as simple as you know the Clippers have barely practiced in a month, and that's just the natural attrition that's going to happen when you don't get to um, reinforce certain. Uh, schemes and defensive instincts and muscle memory and things of that nature. Right, and I think you kind of fall into the rhythm of NBA games where it's the first half, you can coast a little bit, and then, you know, once you come out for your stint in the fourth quarter, it gets real. Right, and also, those first six games, the offense had not clicked at all. Mm -hmm. So they really needed to um, stay disciplined on defense to give themselves a chance, and now... The Clippers are one of the two best offenses in the league. Um, it means that maybe that uh, it's allowed them to be a little more distracted than they should be on defense. Right. That makes sense. Number two is Blake. Number three, um, and this pains me to say, Luke is not as locked down as he was through those first six, seven, eight, nine games of the season. Oh, snap. I can't believe you're going here. Um, I mean, I calls it like I sees it. Wow. He's still very good. Um, he's I... doing a lot of a lot of things great, but um, the... If... I, I really hope this is the only segment of this podcast that Luke ever hears. I, I think he would find he, it would be very surprising to him because whenever I do, I, I will choose to I like to talk to him at the most, like the randomest games. Like if he like last season, he had like a seven minute game and I've talked to him about defense. And then like, you know, this season where it's like um, he doesn't score any points and like, you know, <laughs> someone else has a terrific game and I'll talk to him about defense. It's just, I pick the most bizarre times to talk to him about stuff and it's always about defense. Yeah. Uh, because well, Luke is very knowledgeable of defense, and he's he's willing to have those discussions and try and educate this this luddite about the very basics <laughs> of the game. Um, but um, it does seem like there's I don't know if it's fatigue, I don't know if it's lower energy, I don't know what it is. But if if Luke is typically you know ninety miles an hour on defense. He's at like 85 now, it's which is still very good. But it's hard to it's. I think basically, in summing up your your previous point about Blake too, it's hard to defend at the level the Clippers were defending at for 82 straight games. Right, and on top of that, like Doc made this point, and I said early in the show, um, Doc and Blake both made this point. Um, Luke guards every position on the court, and now is regularly tasked with guarding the other team's best score. Right. And on top of that, there's been, like, I don't want to say an offensive um, responsibility has been put on him, but they do kind of expect him to score at least a little bit. Like, yeah. if he has a zero, uh, if he, he has zero points, that's now disappointing. He needs to be a threat. Right. And so that's just a, a lot of energy that he needs to expend. And I think that we're not necessarily seeing him ground down or anything like that, but the earliest signs of where I think um, are present and that could just as easily change uh, in the coming months as well. Because again, I, as I've mentioned before, the Clippers schedule has been unusually difficult just in terms of the quality of competition they're playing and also the timing of the schedule. I think this was their fourth game in five nights maybe. And they've had like, one or two of those, like three and four nights, those kind of situations come up um, a few times. Yeah. And so they might be able to get, um, it might just be as simply as uh, getting a little bit more rest and finding a practice here or there to retighten the screws. Yeah, makes sense. That was a very, very strong, in-depth answer. 
Uh, I mean, if, if all of these questions are about defense, I spend the vast majority of my time thinking about defense with the Clippers. So. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's what translates the most to uh, postseason success. Well, I, I just think it's, I mean, you know this, you've watched a great deal of basketball, you coach basketball. Defense is the hardest thing to understand. Um, if you look at NBA offense, uh, and you look at a bunch of different playbooks and things, you can kind of figure out, like, okay, most teams run similar things, variations right. of similar things, you can kind of pick them out. You can find the same actions in every team's playbook. Right. Right. Um, and then, like, you know, in clutch situations, it comes down to, like, one-on-one or isolations, things like that. And, you know, it's not – there are some offenses that are complicated, but even in those situations, it's, like, combinations of things you've already seen before. Defenses are just – there's so much subtlety and intricacy to it that mm-hmm. is difficult to identify. I feel like you can just – spend years trying to figure it out and only scratch the surface. It kind of reminds me of boxing. Like, yeah, all the... I mean, you can throw hooks, you can throw feints, you know, you can... Uppercuts, you got all the different punches or whatever, but, like, the great... The great defensive boxers do so many weird things (laughs) and so many different things to counter what their opponent's doing. I feel like... NBA defense is a lot like a, a great defensive boxer, if that makes any sense. It makes no sense. I know almost nothing about boxing. Okay. Well, that's but not that's true. Part, if, you're, if your listeners understand it, then maybe they'll sit there and say, oh, wow. Wow. He really just put it all together. For he me. is my favorite math writer. Yeah. Um. All right. Last question here. Uh, from Jesse Beer, your boy. What, My boy. What's your prediction for the Clippers' upcoming road trip? Upcoming road trip. He I called it a roadie, but that made me uncomfortable, so I'm calling it a road trip. Should I? Let me pull up their road schedule right now. A roadie is like, like someone who travels with bands and forni- fornicates. Forni- fornicates? What? That's not what a, I mean, I don't think that's... Is that what a roadie is? They don't have to fornicate. Like, a roadie is a guy that, like, sets up the... Oh, that's what a roadie... That's a groupie is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're thinking of a groupie. Okay. Alright, well then we can call this a roadie then. I don't think the Clippers are going on a groupie. I changed changed my mind. Um, Okay, upcoming road trip. Six game road trip. I think this is their longest road trip of the season. Is it really? Yeah. Don't they have the Grammy trip? Isn't the Grammy trip longer than this? Yeah, the the Grammy trip, but I don't think the Grammy trip is seven games this year. Oh, there's home games sprinkled in. This is tied for the second longest road trip. Dude, from January 21st to February 13th, the Clippers play one home game. Yep. That's God, that's stretch. That home game happens to be against Golden State. They play 11 road games and one home game against Golden State. Ugh. That's oh, crazy. actually, if you include the 23rd as well, they play two home games in 13, and that last road game is in Oakland. Oh. Yeah, a nice easy break for the schedule there. Jeez, that's rough. So the Clippers need to build a nice little lead like they're doing. So this road trip is at Dallas, at Detroit, at Indiana, at Brooklyn, at Cleveland, and at New Orleans. Yeah, this is the longest road trip of the season for them. What do you got? What do you got them going? Okay. At Dallas, that's a win. Agreed. Uh, I want all of your, our listeners to know that uh, I was very down on the Mavericks heading into the season, and I believe you were the one that said, Andrew, come on. They always Rick find Carlo, a way. Your guy, Rick Carlisle, the yeah. guy you say is the best in-game coach in the league. I didn't, ex- Dirk I didn't expect Dirk Nowitzki getting hurt in the first two weeks. Rick Carla and Dirk Nowitzki are good for 41 wins. They're good for 500, no matter what. Rick Carlisle, you, me, a telephone book, and a bag of chips can get to 41 wins. That's about the extent of the, the lineup they're actually playing, just minus <laughs> you and me. Four undrafted players they started the other night. And I, I reluctantly backed off my, my feelings that 
this this Mavericks team was just completely gonna crater out, and uh, that's that's basically what's happened. Dorian Finney-Smith, real NBA player or Irish rock star? Um, Irish rock star. He's playing like thirty-eight minutes a night for the Mavericks oh, lately. It's absurd. Uh, Poor Mavericks. All right, so that's a win. That's a win. Detroit. At, at Detroit. Win. Wait, is Reggie Jackson close to coming back? I yet? don't think so. That is a win then, because even with Reggie Jackson, they don't have the most well-run offense. Right. It's all just hoping for pick and roll stuff up top. Right. That is a win. Okay. Um, and all of these games, except the final game, are um, you, they get a day off in between, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're... It's not killer back-to-backs. A lot of travel, but right. not, not killer. Yeah. But at the very least, they'll get a, some semblance of, of rest. Uh, Blake had mentioned this in the post-game conference tonight, that it's funny that um, people perceive road games, the road trip, to be more taxing on them when... Um, it's only at the very end there's a back-to-back. So, in fact, they could potentially get, be able to get a good night's rest in between games for the first time in a while. Yeah. So, not to discredit the fact that traveling is hard on the body, but at the very least, they'll be able to sleep peacefully um, in between most of the games. Uh, Detroit, that's a win. Uh, Indiana... Uh, I didn't see what what the deal with Paul George is like. He's been sitting games. He's out. Yeah. Um, Don't know so if he'll be back. So Paul George especially is out. That is that's a win. Uh, I got a I got a weird feeling about that one. Okay. It's a Sunday. It's. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna split the Detroit Indiana. I feel like they'll lose one of those, and I think they're more likely to lose the Indiana. No, that seems reasonable. Um, now. If the Clippers are of championship medal and locked into that mentality, that focus, yeah, then they probably shouldn't be losing those games either, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. At Brooklyn, uh, that's a that's an easy one. See, the, that Brooklyn one is one where I would wonder. If are you going trap game? It's possible. You monster! They, they crushed the Nets. So massively they in did. Los Angeles. They did. Brooke Lopez did not play that game. That's true. And, and the Nets, despite their their lack of talent, I think Jeremy Lin did not play that that game either. They're spunky. Um, they're spunky. They yeah. try hard. Yeah. Kenny Atkinson is getting max effort out of those guys. And so the Clippers could waltz into Brooklyn being like, oh, we, we crushed these guys. We were up at 40 by 40 in like the first half against this team and then Lopez potentially is playing and Lynn's potentially playing and they find themselves in a uh, much more dogged affair than they thought they were going to get into and it's the fourth game so they're starting to feel the little the the fatigue of the travel a little bit they're probably looking ahead to Cleveland so that uh, I mean yeah but they're so bad they're really bad they're so bad uh, at Cleveland at Cleveland. Big um, game. Thursday. Yeah. December 1st. Who you got? The Clippers will really want to win it because that would be a statement game. But that's probably a loss. In Cleveland, with LeBron, who's making his case for claiming, what, his fifth MVP? Is, it, is, is he up to that at this is point? He, is, he up to, is he up to five? He, yeah. Does he have four right now? Sounds right. Check it out. I'm gonna. I'm looking it up. I'm gonna. I'm. I do think they're gonna bring it for that game. Totally agree with you. I think it's a great statement type game. Um, but on the road, in the middle of a long road trip like that, I'm I'm penciling it in as a loss. LeBron is a four-time MVP, so he's going for his fifth this year. So I would say that that's probably a loss. Um, And then New Orleans is a win. December second, New Orleans. I think that's a win. That's potentially a loss. 
See, I, I disagree with your trap games. I think the Detroit-Indiana, one of those, is, is the biggest trap. I think those games are too obvious of trap games. Um, the traps are too clear, Andrew. Last game of a road trip coming off the of Cleveland. Yeah. Drew Holiday is now back with the team. He is indeed. Um, that's, that's, that's a more realistic one than Brooklyn to me. So, so you got but, what five and one? Yeah, five and one. I think if they're five and one, they should um, Clipper fans should be happy. Oh, absolutely. I think anything anything less than four and two is a disappointment. I would right. say four and two is a very reasonable expectation. Yes. Five and one would be great. Um, you take five and one all day. Six and zero oh obviously would be incredible. Right. Anything less four, than four and two is is a fail road trip. Four and two is you know. My child went to a UC school, and you're feeling good about it. Five and one is like, oh, they got they got into Berkeley, or they got into. Isn't Berkeley a UC school? Yeah, but Berkeley's like considered like it's like a it's UC. like a special UC school, right? Like or like, it. oh, they got into to Pomona or something like that. Then that's that's. Great job, and then of course six and zero is like, oh my kid, my kid got a scholarship to to Stanford. Yeah, like what's going on here? Um, and then what would three and three be? Three and three, three would be like uh, Humboldt. Yeah. Okay. Cal State Northridge. Sure. Something along that's, those that, lines. Yeah, that's all solid. We are just we're just gaining enemies right now. By the way, we're offending a lot of people. Uh, two and four is is my alma mater for a semester, Maricosta Community College. Okay, I was gonna say uh, like West LA Community College, maybe. Sure. Um, one in five. One in five is uh, re- repeating senior year of high school. No, that's gotta be like zero and six. <laughs> that's zero and six. Zero and six. I went too hard, too quick. A little bit. One in five is uh. One and five, though, that would mean losses to Dallas, Brooklyn, and New Orleans, most likely. Okay, so then maybe that's one and five, and zero oh and six is just like get the, you don't even want to see your kid. like you don't you don't know where they are. Yep. Riddance. You don't even talk to them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. There you go. All right, this was fun. Thanks for coming on uh, the show. Should I wrap it up? Uh, anything else you got? Do I have anything else? You got a uh, you've got a new episode of the the Clippers podcast coming out soon. Uh, yeah, you know it's it's up in the air right now. I don't know if we're gonna do one for for Thanksgiving week or okay, yeah. Holiday holidays are tough. Yeah, it's really more like do I want to do I want to have to listen to Jordan and Zach and, <laughs> and is that know. is that what it's like? <laughs> it's that's what it's like. Huh? It, it, have your your listeners, listeners of the Locked On Clippers podcast, tweet me at Andrew the Han and tell me if anyone wants to listen to those people this week because I don't I don't know they're just I don't know. DJ I just don't know sometimes. Yeah, I mean I guess tweet me too if you want to listen to me. Uh, tweet me if you want. Uh, tweet, tweet DJ. Tweet both of us. CC us on this yeah. one. Yeah. If uh, if you're in favor of roadies. All right, Andrew. Let's let's uh, wrap this up. So you can uh, subscribe to Andrew Hans' wonderful Clippers podcast on iTunes. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Locked On Clippers podcast, while you're there. Uh, if you have questions for the show, you can email me at fosterdj3 at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at FoxSportsFoster. Andrew is at Andrew the Han. No, his middle name is not the. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the Locked On Clippers podcast. We will be back tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Do you, do you ever wonder what it is you've done with your life? <laughs> what?
Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.